0: It's amazing that God is still God. That's all I can say. He never, ever fails us. He just keeps loving us, keeps providing for us. It's amazing that God, David said it in the Psalms, and I say this to the Lord many times. He said, God, how is it that you think about us, that you're mindful of us? How is it, God, that you care about little us? I had a little bit of an experience with the Lord this week because, you know, I have to prepare. I just, It's not just me walking with him. That's enough on its own, isn't it? Just to walk with the Lord. But also, I can't just be thinking about what he's saying to me or what he's doing in me. But what does he have to say here in this church? And not necessarily just for Sunday, but... What's he saying for the season we're in? What's he saying maybe to people behind closed doors that we're pastoring? So I'm constantly before the Lord and looking for his leadership. And it's so easy to try to take the Lord with us where we're headed, where I'm going. And it's so close to the real thing that it can, can, it can blind you temporarily. I just, it was a personal thing for me, but I feel like the Lord is asking me to just to share it because maybe it'll, it'll help you, one or some of you or all of you today, that we can try to take God with us. You know, we're, we're heading towards good things. We want the best for our families, for the church, and we try to we take God with us. We're not trying to do it on our own. But it's him heading somewhere that I get to walk with. It looks so close to the real thing that at first you wouldn't notice the difference. But after a little while, you're like, God, come on. Come on, God, I need you. God, come on, I need you. And it's so simple. He's standing right over here where you said, okay, I'm with you, but I'm right here. Come back to me. I've got somewhere I'm heading. And it is so subtle, isn't it? Isn't the distractions, the enemy's plans are so subtle. The more mature you get because we've been talking about maturity these last couple of weeks, haven't we? Pressing on, moving forward from Philippians 3. The more mature you get, the more you know Jesus, the more subtle and sneaky the enemy's lies and tricks need to be. Because you're not gonna be fooled. I mean, maybe if you're in what the Bible calls strong delusion, if you have just decided you're gonna do your own thing for long enough that he can use wild tricks. We've seen that in some other sects of religion that have come out. You know, they, they end up then think, they do think wild, crazy things. But it doesn't start that way. It starts so subtle. And I was just meditating with the Lord how, remember when, and you've heard me say this before. I think about this often, but the Lord just reminded me of this. Remember when Moses, is about to leave. He's about to go. He's in the wilderness with the children of Israel. And he says, the Lord says, okay, you know, uh, I'm going to send some, some, an angel with you. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll take care of you. I'm going to go, you know, but it was like with you. And Moses says, unless you are leading, unless you, the language is, you know, if you could read it and you could think, well, it sounds like the same thing when you read the text, sounds like he's saying, okay, God was going to send some a spirit with him. But now Moses is saying, he says, I'm not moving unless you're going with us. In other words, unless you're in control, you're leading, I'm not interested I don't want your blessing on my thing. I don't want your blessing on what I've got going on. I want to be led by you. I believe that the Lord, it's, so, it's such a time to be led by Him. We've been talking, and I spent um, all of September, talking about the importance of the Word of God because the distractions, the delusions are getting stronger. I had a conversation with my cousin TJ yesterday and it was a heartbreaking conversation. He said that he was with someone this week and they're also pastors working at their house, but their son went away to college and he came back without his faith. Just like that. And his line was, nobody believes based upon His perception that if nobody believes, then why do I? The delusion is getting stronger. The pull, he had been raised in it all those years. And just a short time with unbelievers made him lose his faith. The point is why it was so heartbreaking to me is that And I believe that's, I'm going to try to get to it today, that the Lord is not keeping us in seclusion. The Lord, we have this amazing thing with God, this personal relationship with Him, this incredible, secluded, intimate time with Him behind closed doors. But that's not the end, that's the beginning, and that's the spark And that's what we hold on to when we open the doors and we go out into the world. We were never meant to be Christians in this room only. We were never meant to be Christians only in our bedrooms. But God called us to have an intimate relationship with him This room and this gathering together is so important as what is the word, as is prayer, as is fasting, because it prepares you for the outside world. It's that important to gather. He said, do not forsake. The reason we even come here on Sundays is do not forsake the gathering together of the believers, Don't stop gathering together as the believers. He said, as some have already done, this is 2,000 years ago that it was written in the word. People already leaving the church. They were already stopping gathering together. And the reason he warned us of that is because it's not that this is what it's about, but that there's delusion out there. There is so much out there that is going to, if you don't influence it, it's going to influence you. And that's what happened to this young man. He, somewhere along the line, had heard it and been around it, but he didn't put that thing down deep inside. So as we, I referenced these last two weeks, just like Jesus warns, if the seed is not planted deep down in good soil and you protect that seed and you keep that thing growing and you keep that thing watered and you get that thing so stable, you get those roots so deep inside of you that the enemy can't steal it. If you don't think like that, if you don't prepare like that, as soon as something comes along that sounds better, that feels better, or that makes more sense by populace, Imagine making your decisions based upon what everybody else thinks. This is what the enemy has already designed on purpose. He has made us, especially today, we are becoming, as believers, more and more and more and more ostracized. We are becoming more and more foolish to the world. I was thinking about this Nobody get offended at me if you celebrate Halloween, that's between you and the Lord. But I was thinking how this nation glorifies a holiday. It doesn't matter how you celebrate it. You may celebrate it with candy and like, you know, happy little parties, but don't forget of what the day's about. When you're driving down the road, don't be naive when you see the graveyard set up and the grim reaper. And they're like, hey, this is so cool how this guy designed this little animatronic thing of this guy being tortured. You see that thing floating around Facebook? Wow, what an amazing display. What an amazing holiday that we celebrate about blood, death, vampires, everything dark that you can imagine. And it's like, oh, this is this amazing holiday that we celebrate as a nation. The whole nation accepts it like it's no big deal. And the whole day is about death. Demons, darkness, witches, spells, curses, pots of, you know, cauldrons and, you know, smoke pouring out. And, and the whole thing is about that. And yet, we as Christians, as soon as you would, if you were, they were to interview on, you on TV and you said, Jesus, bam, going to cut you off as quick as they possibly can. Oh, that's, we lost our feed. We're out here with this person. But, you know, they said, Jesus, my gosh. We are becoming more and more and more and more and more ostracized and belittled. And, and if you don't make the decisions now, I believe the Lord's just, he's just been hammering this to us because we're watching our, our young people, we're watching the next generation. We're watching young Christians, baby Christians, and it's not your age, If you don't make the conscious choice, we've been talking that you don't have to decide to age, right? I said last week, you get old all by yourself. That's the natural process. But as far as maturity goes, unless you make the choice to mature, what will happen is it is not hard for the enemy to get a baby, using the reference of Halloween, Remember the old trick, it's, it's been played so many times that we know it and we don't fall for it as much anymore now, but hey, I've got some candy. That was how the kidnapper would get the person into the car. I mean, now the children have been so worn, but I've got some candy. Why? Because they were naive, they were immature, they were young. Now we, someone offers us candy, we're like, excuse me? And you go up there and you got your hand on your hip, if you know my reference. <laughs> right, Tony? <laughs> Excuse me? 911. Predator. Because of maturity. And the Lord is looking for a church that is mature. Not so, I, I started saying this last week, and I just want to build right off of this, if I can, for a few minutes. <laughs> Not so that we can be puffed up and smart. God is sick and tired of the church thinking they're all that. Meanwhile, sitting behind closed doors in their own little thing. That's not what Jesus was about. Jesus was all knowing. He had, I mean, you want to talk about knowing it all. Jesus was it. And he wasn't afraid to go to the lowest. You know, the, the religious at the time, they said, man, this guy's a friend of sinners and we don't get it. He's a friend of the, of the Samaritans. It was the lower class to the Jews. He was outside the realm of what we call church. But in order to be out there, In order to do that, he had to be in God's presence. He had the knowledge of who God is and of the truth. It's weird. I've talked about this before. It's weird to think of Jesus being tempted. But when the devil tempts him, Jesus speaks the word. He had the knowledge of the word, right? But it wasn't there to puff him up and to think it was applicable it was real life it was every day here comes a temptation from the enemy bam I am not immature Satan I'm not gonna fall for your trick your temptation and spoke with maturity spoke with the word and meanwhile well that's going on that wasn't the purpose of Jesus to battle the devil his purpose was to save the world His purpose was to be with that sinner. But the enemy, if you aren't mature and strong and settled in your heart of who God is and what the word is, then you'll be stuck over here dealing with the devil. Meanwhile, there's the unsaved person that needs you, but you're still dealing with your issue, dealing with your thing. And if he can keep you there, The longer he keeps you there, the longer he keeps you from them. That's why we need to get through. We need to get over. We need to move on, as Paul was saying in Philippians 3. Why do we press on? Why does he say, I used to think, I once thought, I was, I'm no longer? Why is he pressing on for perfection? Was it so that he could say, hey, Lord, look at me, Lord, I'm so perfect. It's, such a, uh, uh, it's, it's like such a simple concept, and yet it's really so hard for me to express sometimes. That's just how the word is. I was talking with somebody, and, and the, the reality is, is you protect the seed. You cater to the seed. You don't try to grow an apple. You try to get the seed down deep. You try to get that seed watered, keep the seed healthy, and the apple will grow on its own. You protect it. But yet, the reason you planted the seed is for the apple. I know this is, I'm not trying to be theological and, and get deep. I'm going to get into some scripture here. But that your purpose is to know that you know that you know Christ. So that when the delusion and when the distractions come, they can't take it away, the seed. But ultimately, when you protect it and when it starts growing in you, that's why the devil wants to get you right at that place. If he can get the seed growth, if he can get the place of maturity in you, what does maturity do? It means that you are full grown, adulthood. Well, when the apple seed comes to maturity, comes to adulthood, when it's been established, now all by itself, it produces fruit. And ultimately, even though we're not trying to achieve and trying to get fruit, we're trying to know Jesus, and the enemy's trying to steal Jesus, But the longer we plant him and the deeper we plant him and the more we protect that in us, the better quality fruit will naturally come from our lives. This is why we need to be growing and maturing because ultimately he wants to get fruit from us there is a world that is desperate for the answer. They're desperate for Jesus, they just don't know it. They do know that something's not right. You don't have to go far. You don't have to ask. I mean you can just ask almost anybody nowadays. What do you think's going on in the world? What do you think's going on in this nation? What's going on in your heart? And, you know, we're going to come up with all different kinds of answers, but they're all going to have this theme. Well, you just kind of make the best of life. Some people, it's going to be family. I just, you know, just try to just love my family and I'm just, and, and, or some people it's going to be, well, you know, I, you know, made this investment and the market went this way. And so I just, you know, you keep investing, right? And you keep going. But ultimately what they're all trying to do is they're trying to get to a better place, they know that where they're at now is not ultimately the place that they should be. So they're, they're trying, they're striving, they're moving towards something. There's a goal that's like, it's like in your DNA, it's in your nature to try to produce, to create, to get to a goal, even if it's a good thing, like raising your children to be good men and women. But that thing inside you, is really searching for the purification that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. The end goal, the the finish in you that you're striving for, this thing that you're, you're trying to be a better, trying to grow more, trying to get bigger. And there's this thing inside of us that wants to achieve. And ultimately, it's because Jesus Christ is that seed. And once we tell them, once they hear it, then those who will listen, then they find that, you know what, these things that I was searching for and I was doing this and doing that, some of them are good things, some of them are bad things, and ultimately, though without Jesus Christ, none of them mean anything. And so, just for a few minutes, wow, that was a huge intro. So, that's just the Lord wanted to say, That's all right. <laughs> It's all right. Paul comes in Philippians 3 and he settles he settles it with this. He says in verse 15, he says, if you're spiritually mature, you already agree on this that you got you gotta think differently. We used to think a certain way. We're not thinking that way anymore. That now I've decided I'm putting my I'm pressing forward, I'm pressing on. We've been saying this, I'm getting to Christ, and that's it. And he says, but if you disagree on some point, I believe, I'm praying, I'm believing for you. You keep moving and God's gonna mature you all by himself. If you're not at that place of maturity yet, he says in the very next verse, he says, hold on to the progress you do have. Just hold on to where you're at. It's progressing, moving forward. Just hold on to what you know in Christ. Don't backtrack. As soon as you start staying stagnant, we get comfortable like this young man. We think we know. And as soon as you stop pressing, as soon as you stop growing, as soon as you stop striving for, and it's not, not striving in the way that like, I'm trying to get good. I'm trying to become like God. No, you're striving to not let your nature rule in your life. You're striving to let God's nature rule through you. That's the striving in you. And when you do that, versus just kind of hanging, just kind of staying steady, like, you know, and that I, it's, this is what I know, that's my faith. Oh, yeah, everybody is a Christian. I'm a Christian. When you like that, what will happen is, is if you, the, the, the science has already figured it out, what the Bible was, has been saying for thousands of years, that a body in motion stays in motion. As soon as you stop, what happens it's like, you know that little fish? Some people know what that means. It's an old symbol now. You know, a lot of people don't know what that means. You know the fish you have? It doesn't just mean I'm a Christian. It was the symbol that there's this incredible current that's going in society. But as a Christian, you are swimming upstream. You're going against the flow. That's what that little fish means. We're against the flow. But if you stop... Flow's going pretty darn heavy that way. And that's what happened with this, this young guy. He gets to college. And if you aren't pressing, if you aren't maturing constantly, still growing, still seeking, you will go right with the flow. And it's got an end goal. We've talked about that. In Hebrews, he says, I wish, Hebrews 5, he's like, I wish that you're eating solid food, but you still have milk. And he says, solid foods for mature. And he says in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, I wish I could talk to you as spiritual people. But he says, you're still infants. Again, you're drinking milk, but I want you to eat solid food. And in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3, he says, because you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and quarrel with with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? And so the uh, contrast to living for God is that there's a new nature. You don't think like you used to think, which causes your actions to be different than they used to be. And he says, doesn't that prove... Our fruit from our lives, we will produce fruit. Regardless of you catering to the seed of God in you or not, a fruit will come out of your life. You are producing something. People are eating off of your tree all the time. Especially if you are a really influential people in your circle and in society, You can see what fruit you are by who they start becoming. If you're a really prideful, arrogant person, you start seeing little prideful, arrogant people around you emulating you. You are producing fruit regardless. And that's why he says, doesn't that prove there was a fruit coming out of them in Corinthians that he said, it's proving that there's a simple nature still in you? But he says, to press on to mature to grow so that we produce a fruit it's not about the fruit it's about us knowing christ but so that we produce a fruit that others can eat from we are here to know god but immediately when you say yes to jesus christ i want to know you i want to follow you he literally This is a misconception in Christianity. He literally puts you to work instantaneously. Instantaneously, you said, when you accept Christ, when you really accept him like the Bible says, and not like maybe one denomination or another denomination sells Jesus as, but by the Bible, when you turn to Christ, you literally, the Bible says you no longer live, you are dead, it's not your life anymore, You give your life to him. And when you do that, that means that somebody else is in control of your life. Not you. Now you get the benefit, you get the joy of knowing him, of walking with him, of experiencing his life in your life. That's an amazing thing. And that's a, a purpose in itself. But when you are that person, a fruit starts growing out of your life. A fruit, the Bible says, that is in contrast to the fruit of this world. There's many lists. The Bible I I love when people try to say that the Old Testament and the New Testament, that there's this hard line, that God all of a sudden is a different God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's simply not true. Jesus just said, listen, you are focused on the wrong things. You're focused on trying to follow rules and regulations and laws, and you forgot that it's about your heart. And that's where you can draw a line between the old and the new, is that it was the mentality of the people. But You go to the New Testament and he gives you just as many lists of what's right and wrong. We just don't preach from those lists very often. But you can go and you can see in Galatians 5, it talks about the works of the flesh, the works of a sinful nature, and the works of the spirit. And he said they're opposing each other in us, but also in this world. That's why we feel opposition is just voicing your Christianity out there because it's not uh, their spirit, to put it simply. So they're going to butt heads. But he says in 2 Peter, I can just for the next few minutes, I just want to spend some time on this couple of verses here. In 2 Peter 1, verse 3, we are not the old nature. We are not the old way, we are not, we are no longer producing fruit that this world produces. We are no longer that apple farm. Bad fruit, bad apple. They even have terms for it, and he's a bad apple. We are no longer, as Christians, producing that fruit we are producing something different. Something has come out of us, and it says that by His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you. Everybody say, enable. Enable. His promises, his nature enables us to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires humanity has a way of thinking they have a way of going they have a way of producing fruit when you get saved you start to see how disgusting their fruit is when you're in it you're used to it who's eaten something like for a long time like mcdonald's and then all of a sudden you don't eat it because you're changing some eating habits then you go back and you try to have a big mac and you're like this thing is disgusting or worse, it literally makes you sick. You're used to it, but he's, we've escaped, and, and you start to see it. You start to know it. There's a nature in you that starts changing. You no longer are who you were before. This is the key. And we're, a lot of Christianity that tries to cater to keep you to where you are right now, you're fine. God loves you right where you're at. Yes, he does love you. He does but he doesn't want that fruit coming out of you anymore because especially now that you say, I'm a Christian, but you're still producing this ugly fruit that you used to produce when you weren't a Christian brings a lot of confusion to the world, doesn't it? So he wants to get his fruit growing from you, really not for you, but it's, this is the, it's, you get the benefit of it. It's for, it's, it's you. You're knowing Christ, but he's trying to get something through you. You get to enjoy it just by being with him. That's your benefit, but he wants to get something out of you in verse five. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So because God's nature has changed us because a nature that we didn't have before now has been planted inside of us. Really, actually, that's not even true, it hasn't been planted in us, we've been grafted into him, but his DNA, his nature that was already in Christ is now growing in us. And if Jesus is love, if he produces love, if he produces one that lays down his life for his friend for the world then the DNA that's in him is now in us. And so he tells us here in 2 Peter, because of that, make every effort to respond. You can't make yourself. You can't try to be holy. You can't become an apple tree. But God will plant a seed inside of you that has the ability to become an apple out of your life. It's your job not to try to be good, to try to make an apple, to try to be all of a sudden to be morally excellent. You can't do that. But when you respond, when you let what he's put inside of you, that all of a sudden it says, hmm, I probably shouldn't do that anymore. I've told you before, I've talked to so many that have been in their beginning stages of Christianity and they cannot deny it. I've asked them right to their face, tell me that when you said yes to Jesus, they say it didn't work for me. And I say, well, when you left the church, after you just said a simple prayer, it's not about the prayer, but it was about your heart saying, I want Jesus. But when you left the church, did you or did you not have something inside you that said you shouldn't do that thing or this thing. Something in your day, something inside you said don't do that anymore. Nobody can deny that. But what what do we do? We just sweep it under the rug? Ultimately, this is the key. The reason that a Christian who has had a seed put inside of him is still producing bad fruit. You want to know the real, just the, the cold hard truth of it. The reason that this young man went astray. He wanted the fruit. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden. They wanted the fruit. He wanted what the world was doing. So he made an excuse. Well, God's not real anyway. So now I can do all those things that I've been not doing based on rules and regulation instead of, like I said, if he had a... That's the danger that if we don't put it in our heart and it's in our head, as soon as we see something that we want or we want to do, we want to be, we want to try to get away with, we just make the excuse, well, God's not real anyway. And all of a sudden now, the bad fruit tastes real good to you, but the Bible says it only tastes good for a season and its end is destruction. So he tells us, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. In verse six, and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness. In verse seven, and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for Everyone, don't tell me that following Jesus is. I'm just. I've, we were just. I'm sorry. I'm bringing up a lot of my conversation. I ranted for a couple of minutes. Didn't realize it was going to make it into this sermon today. We went and got pizza last night, just the two of us. And blah blah blah. And I said, I don't know why I said all that. Now I do. <laughs> don't tell me that. I'm a red-letter Christian. I just live by Jesus' love. This is New Testament. (laughs) They give us a list not to bind you, not to give you to say, oh, I gotta try to love people today. I gotta try to be godly today. No, he's giving you this so that you see what fruit looks like. So that you're saying, I mean, who has already in their faith, whether you're young or old, has been impressed at what God's brought out of you? It's something you can look and you say, I do love people more than I used to. That's amazing. I do have affection for people. Brotherly affection, this is like, this is for each other. This is just caring for, I care about people more than I used to. And that shows me that Jesus did something inside of me, but not just for you, it also shows the world. They say, you used to hate people. You were proud that you hated and you were racist and you were this and you were that. And now, where is this love coming from? And there's a fruit that grows out of you that's not you, And he tells us this list so that we, that we can see, hey, these things coming out of me. These things, I, these I need to, I'm going to just focus on knowing Christ, but I'm going to let that come out of me because that's what he wants out of me. He's telling me exactly what he wants, not to strive for that, but to strive for him so that when he starts, when I'm going to surrender to love, even though I don't feel like it right now, Gonna surrender to brotherly affection even though I don't feel like it right now because I feel that's passing through me. I'm just a conduit. I'm just a tree that he planted and there's something that's trying to come out of me and I I don't know what's going on but I'm gonna let it come out because he told me, hey, that's a sign. That's me. That love coming out of you is me. Let it come out of you. Don't fight it. Don't stop that. Let it come out of you. Let it come out of you. Be willing to yield. All right, I said enough. That's good for today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, make some sense of that. planet it deep down inside of our hearts, Lord. I just pray, God, because you're God and, and we're not, that you do, Lord, with us as you will. You, Lord, you speak to us today. Lord, lead us this week. Teach us, Lord, which way to go. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that then once this has its full effect, that we will know what's right and what's wrong. Not because of our goodness and because of us, but because you did something inside of us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for this work that you've already started in us to have its full effect and that this church, Lord, that these individuals would be fruit bearing trees, in Jesus' name, amen.